everybody. Welcome to Motherbirds. So today we are doing a special episode that's going to be a little different than our typical format. And we've been chatting with some of you guys on social media over the last few weeks and getting feedback from people about just kind of approaching the holidays and how we make space for this, how we be present, how we kind of keep our, our posture as one of intention and simplicity. And we're, we keep hearing that so many people are just, just wondering, like, how do I how do I make this what I want it to be? There's so much momentum and so much, um, there's so much just stuff built into our culture that we, we just kind of take it on and we just kind of do it. And it's how we've always done it. And we want to create a little bit of space today to talk about how we can make the holidays our own and whatever that looks like for you, whether you have, you know, whatever your values are, whatever your beliefs are, we want to just kind of open the space up and make space for allowing you and your family to create what makes sense for you, despite any of the, you know, the trappings or the things that we, that we were raised with or the things that we see around us in culture. So our, our first guest today is going to be Rachel Jonah, and she is um, the minimalist mom, which some of you guys may have seen. Um, Rachel is a mom of three. She recently moved to a um, small town and Rachel is an expert at minimal living. So she's got, um, she's got a book that recently came out and she's going to tell us about that. And then we're going to get into talking about her perspective on the holidays and simple living. So go ahead, Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm a mom of three and, uh, I kind of got the minimalist bug almost, um, it's going to say seven years ago, right after uh, the birth of my first son and um, read about minimalism, got really excited, um, was kind of, you know, sleepless with my colicky baby and uh, started just purging everything in my home and um, started documenting it on a blog. And it's all really just grown from there. And um, I've released three books and the latest one coming out um, should be in bookstores now. It's called The Joy of Doing Nothing. And it's uh, it's less about the stuff and more about slowing down and taking moments for yourself and um, really disconnecting from um, our, our super engaged digital world. Yeah, which is huge. There's just so much input, I feel like, these days. And as you raise kids, and I don't know, Rachel, if your kids, if they go to, you know, public school or, or anything like that. But it's just, there's so, there's so many different inputs and like feedback loops in their lives. And I feel like it takes a lot to kind of just decompress from all of that. Oh yeah, totally, totally agree. We've just moved to this really small town from um, downtown Vancouver. And um, one of the reasons is we just really wanted more time for ourselves and with the kids and, and to get a bit, bit slower pace so we could be more intentional with um you know what we're putting in our ears and eyes and and brains yeah yeah and just like to to play like immediate devil's advocate I think I I've heard a lot of people say this and then just say like but that's not realistic I I couldn't possibly do that (laughs) and I think something that you know looking through your uh your blog is that you have very realistic suggestions as well it's not just like if you have my life and you can live in a small town and and live this way you know but Mm -hmm. lots of access points for anyone who's living whatever kind of lifestyle you know yeah I'm like so happy that you said that because that's one thing that really inspires me is that it's not an all or nothing game it's not being you know the best minimalist out there and you don't have to go to an extreme to reap a lot of benefits for some people it's just you know 
I set a goal this year of, of cleaning out my garage so we could park in it. And that's awesome. And that's life-changing or making really, you know, small, small goals around things like the holidays and gift shopping and deciding, you know, I'm going to buy 25% fewer gifts and I'm going to maybe in some ways splurge a bit more on my kids, but just get one thing that I think they really need or really want. Um, and, and the whole extremist movement, um, I do find it inspiring, but I think it's really not applicable to a lot of us or not a reasonable goal, particularly if you've got a family and kids and you don't have, you know, complete control over everything and everyone has their own wills in a household. So I'm more of a a moderate minimalist and um, I I really think the the greater good of it um, will be from getting everyone to maybe buy 10% less, own 5% less. Uh, rather than just kind of everyone feeling there's a, you have to kind of go all or nothing with it. Right. It's not a contest of who owns, like, I own 33 items, so I own 32. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So on that topic, since we're kind of talking about this, this simplicity piece around the holidays, which are, which are here, you know, we're, we're in the middle of that right now. What, what are your thoughts on keeping gift giving simple? You know, you talk about maybe with your kids, like, you know, focusing on one thing that they, that they really need or want. Um, how do you, how do you approach that? How do you talk about it with kids? How do you, um, you know, sort of extend that to the family and friends that are going to be involved in gift giving around the holidays? What are your tips for that? Well, I think, um, a good place to start is with yourself. <laughs> and, uh, one thing I, I really suggest to people do is, um, take stock of where you're, where you're at with gift giving, like have your list, and don't just have your list of who you gift to and what you give them, but put next to it a reason why. Um, mm. And really start considering if if there's some gift exchanging going on in your life that could easily be replaced by going for a coffee together or having people over for dinner. Or, you know, if the intention of the gift is that you feel, I really need to connect with this person because I want more of them in my life and I don't get to see them enough, um, start thinking more along what, what the intention is. And is there a way, and maybe it's not this year for everybody, but is there a way that you could change some of that, you know, actual physical gift giving into something that looks a bit different, but still celebrates your, your relationship with them and shows them, um, that you care. Yes. I love that. And, and one of the, one of the posts that you have on your blog, which we'll share in the show notes kind of talked about like, how do you talk with this about people when you want to change something? You know, if, if you're mm-hmm. talking with your, you know, your family about how do we, how do we simplify things this holiday season? And you're talking to, you know, your, your in-laws or your family or whatever, like, how do you, how do you delicately approach this without saying like, by the way, we don't, you know, yeah. we're not going to, we're not going to accept any gifts this year. It's just such a, it's such a complicated thing. And I love how you talk about um, like why people give gifts. And there's a lot of different reasons that people give gifts um, mm-hmm. and they're good reasons, you know? So how can we kind of distill that down to what's below the gift giving, which is what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not easy conversations to have. And I think, people who want some kind of magic bullet might be disappointed that, that some of the framework for these conversations needs to maybe, particularly with people that you're really close with, 
needs to start months in advance. And, right. and it's even planting the seeds of, you know, <clears throat> we're cutting down on our kids' toys and I'm trying to be more intentional with what's in their rooms. Um, or, you know, for my birthday, I really don't want anything from you. For, from a parent, you might say, I'd really like us to go do something together. So mm-hmm. um, you do need, if you, if you want to change uh, your gift giving traditions within your family and friend network, you you should start early. Um, and so yeah. this might be something to start next year where you're yeah. planting mm-hmm. these seeds with friends of um, I'd rather do something with you than get something from you. And yeah. we're really trying to work on um, consuming less in our house and having less clutter and taking, you know, fewer broken toys uh, to the dump or recycling. Um, so think about that. Um, think about starting small and then when it's appropriate, which is always not when the gift is given, um, (laughs) it's either like well before or much later, uh, then you can, you know, feel things out and then, and have a conversation and say, you know, always kind of start with a, a sandwich of good, which is, I appreciate that you've given this to me. I know it means that, um, you're, you're conveying that you care for us or care for my kids. And then you can kind of, you know, gently get into, we're, we're trying to have less stuff and here's yeah. some other ideas for maybe how we could change gift giving. Um, yeah, I will say this is something that I have like gotten to watch with my sister and she has two kids that are now like 11 and eight is she's always asked for experiences yeah. um, for her kids and whether that, and she, and I will say this is just kind of coming up listening to talk okay. like this also obviously would include any kind of gift giving. So we're talking like birthdays or Christmas or, you know, whatever holiday season. Cause I think, you know, kind of what you're saying is you're, you're basically kind of shifting the tone of like, what is the normal for her? Yeah like what's expected, but also like what's kind of desired. Yeah. And she, you know, she's always said, you know, the kids really like going to the zoo. They really like, you know, getting to go to, you know, a cooking class or something like that, where it's a combination of things. One is, you know, it's not another toy that again, like you're kind of say just ends up being passed on or wasteful, but then also supporting local business. Yeah by like giving opportunities yeah. to give experiences at local businesses. And I have always really liked the way in which, you know, she has framed that in the sense of saying like, in addition to a couple of things that the kids want, which, cause of course they want things as well. Like yeah. here's some things that we might do anyway. So like we might buy zoo passes anyway, but like if zoo passes came from, you know, yeah, grandparents, then it's like, every time we go to the zoo, it's a reminder of like, this gift you've given them. And- yeah. I mean, experience gifts are so great and they're so great to ask for. Um, people, you know, if you have a, a relative who doesn't know what to get your kids, they're literally going to walk into a toy store and just get something. Yeah. So giving someone a suggestion of, of what you would really use and love is great. And the other piece to that one I've really found, um, we, my mother-in-law, when your goddess of family past the art gallery is really following up on those experience gifts with the person who gave them to you and giving them Mm -hmm. that, um, that good feeling of the gift over and over again. So sending them a photo of your kid at the zoo, having a great time or getting them to kind of call when you get home and call you, call your aunt, call, call the grandma who gave the past, say, I had such a good time at the zoo today. Here's what I saw. Um, and that really starts reinforcing the value of sending an experience gift. Whereas, you know, a lot of, um, 
a lot of family with giving kids, a, a, you know, young kids a gift, they want that excitement of the child opening a big box and like that kind of mm-hmm. instant gratification and excitement. And you don't always get that by giving someone a gift certificate to, yeah. you know, the movies or something like that. So it's, um, it's kind of giving like the long tail to the gift and, and really mm-hmm. uh, showing that person that, that they, you know, the gift is valuable to you and you've really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think that's so, so important. Like that's such a good point. Even just this last weekend, we were with my husband's family for Thanksgiving and we talked to them about some things that we were, you know, planning to do for the holidays this year. And we're going to be gone starting in January for a few months. And so we felt like, gosh, this is a perfect year to, you know, to really kind of pare down on, on what we, you know, get for each other. It's a great year to talk to our son who's eight about, you know, really, you know, minimizing the amount of things that we get because, Hey, we're about to be on the road and we can't like enjoy or use a lot of these things anyway. So if you get five new Lego sets for Christmas from, you know, grandpa and uncle and, you know, Mm so-and-so like you're not even going to enjoy them. So that conversation has gone well. And we, and we talked about the experience thing with his parents and, you know, his, his, um, my father-in-law instantly jumped to like, well, how do I like get him the best experience that like no other kid could ever have? And it's, you know, (laughs) that's kind of of missing the point, but I love what you're saying because that just reminds me that that's all he's looking for. He's looking for that, that feedback, that, that sense of like, this was like worthwhile. This was something that was appreciated and enjoyed. And, and I love that idea of reinforcing it, which just takes a little extra intention, not just in the planning, but on the back end, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like everybody, it goes back to that. Why, why are people giving you gifts? Because they care about you and they, they want to feel good giving it to you. And so to do things a different way is, is really scary. Like this is, this is what we've all learned, right? That, you go and you buy stuff and you give it to the person. And this is how we're communicating our appreciation for each other and, and care for each mm-hmm. other, you know, around this holiday season. So it's particularly for like older generations, it's, it's can be unsatisfying and feel weird to do it a bit differently. So, um, you know, it's, it's so important to be gentle with them and then like really reinforce this different type of gift being giving as being great. I had, mm-hmm. um, a woman leave a comment on a recent blog post that they'd stopped doing their kind of family over 18 random gift swap and changed it to, we're going to meet up for a brunch at someone's house and pool all the money we would have spent and give it to a charity as a group. And people in the family nominated different charities. And they all got to, you know, kind of stand up and, and say a few words about the charity and why they thought it was important. And then everyone voted and, you know, her comment was like, it's just completely changed how we give gifts and everyone feels so good about it. That's amazing. Um, but it, you know, awesome. it's like, that was a small step, right? It wasn't, we're immediately, we're doing no gift Christmas. It was, yeah. we're going to kind of, and I'm sure at some point they scaled back from everybody giving everyone gifts to like, a, you know, a secret Santa draw the name, right? Thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's all in mm-hmm. stages. So this year it could be, okay, we're switching to the secret Santa and next year it could be, we're actually like taking that money and deciding to do an activity together or, you know, even, you know, some kind of, uh, philanthropic, uh, I can't speak right now, but like a, a charitable, um, yes. you know, a charitable event volunteering together. So 
Uh, I think it's, it's really important to, to kind of, to go slowly. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. How do you talk to your kids about this stuff? Like, how do you talk about like, these are our values, you know, despite everything that is happening around them in the world, you know, there's their Mm -hmm. school, their friends, you know, commercials on TV, like the, all the advertisements that we're exposed to, even when we, you know, create an environment where our kids don't see as much of that as maybe other kids do. There's, there's always still some of that there. So how have you learned to talk to your kids about this and to kind of get them into that space of integrating these values, despite, you know, all of the Mm -hmm. outside pressure? Well, we, we try and talk about why we make certain choices. Um, Like we're trying to bike more. Um, We've just moved and, and bought a car before we, uh, for the last year, we didn't have a car. So we're always trying, particularly with our eight-year-old, because he's, he's really fascinated by this, talk about like, oh, you know, it's not super warm out today, but we're going to ride our bikes instead of drive because, you know, it's better for us, it's better for the environment, um, and have a lot of fairly casual conversations around how we as a family decide to do what we do, be it like eat out or not eat out for this meal or, you know, spend the money on a trip. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, can be a, a start in as talking to your kids about how your family makes certain decisions. You know, why are you mm-hmm. buying a used car instead of buying something new? Why are yeah. we buying secondhand clothing instead of buying something new? Why are we, you know, giving uh you know your youngest brother's boots to our neighbors you know and and these things mm-hmm. kind of can happen in your life and you're you never talk about them with your kids because it's just how you run yeah. your your household um but i think they're really good conversation starters and really get kids thinking about um you know these items don't just magically appear and and we as a family are are making choices all the time. So that's one start. I, I know we t- you mentioned avoiding television ads. I think that one for our family is huge. My kids have yeah. never really watched cable television. And so they I, I feel like they are really ignorant of what's out there toy-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really go into toy stores like you know, we visited some a couple of times because they had like a play toy area, but um, they don't even really know what to ask for a lot of the time. Like it's yeah. pretty random and they might ask for like a $5 toy or something much more expensive. And both those things are kind of equal in, the, in their right. eyes. Yeah. Um, I know that's not going to last forever. <laughs> I know they're going to become more savvy, but um, I really think if you have younger kids, like keep them ignorant about what's out there for toys as long as possible. Yeah. Um, how, however you can do that, uh, be it like no television ads. Um, one thing how we really try and do is if they get a gift from someone that's a toy, we, I, I notice all of the instruction materials that come with toys have advertising for, for other more toys. toys. Yep. Yeah. So like rip out the back page <laughs> that shows the other Playmobil <laughs> set they could get um, yeah. because totally. that just seems to incite the want <laughs> for mm-hmm. my kids. Yep. Um, and these are like, these are the same kind of things, you know, rules or I strive for myself because, you know, if I'm, 
in stores a lot, then I feel like, oh, it's, do I want to be buying things? Whereas if I just avoid going stores, um, I don't really have, I'm not like a huge shopper anyway. So I don't really have an urge for new things if I'm not being advertised to for new things. Well, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't actually have to have, you don't have to be a shopper to like flip through Vanity Fair and be like, oh, obviously I need a new swimsuit or obviously I like need to, you know, try this latest thing. It's, it's because you're being, you're being fed that, you're being fed yes. the urge. Like it, it's yes. not an intrinsic urge, you know? Um, yes. It's, it's so true. A, yeah. <laughs> it's really, yeah. it's really fascinating. Um, I love that. And that's something that, that we've done too, you know, just with the exposure to, you know, advertisements and all of that. One thing I I'll just add is that whenever we are around, whenever we are in an environment where, you know, my son is exposed to advertisements and maybe that's when we're at grandparents' house and we have zero control over whether the TV's on 24 seven or not. But my, this is actually something my husband has done, which has been really, really beneficial to our eight year old is whenever that, whenever there is a commercial on TV, Aiden, or my, my husband will ask Aiden, you know, what do you think they're trying to get what do you think they're trying to get you to want? And so he'll often ask him that oh. when it's something obscure. It's not necessarily a, a, you know, a toy commercial. It's a, it's a commercial where they're showing a family doing something. And, you know, we know that it's leading up to them saying like, you know, buy this, buy this, you know, Chevy car, right? Yeah. We know that that's where yeah. it's leading, but it's, but it's showing it in this very like lifestyle kind of way that mm. is making you feel like I want that lifestyle. And Aiden's gotten really, really good at identifying like, Oh, they want me to feel like I have a good life, you know, or they want me to feel like I've made the right choices <laughs> or, you know, sometimes it's more, it's more obvious. Yeah. Um, and so that's been really good for him because he's able to see like, okay, this thing is being shown to me. They have an agenda and it's not necessarily evil, but it's also not necessarily like for my benefit, <laughs> you know? That is so smart. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And it's, it's been a good wow. way to kind of mitigate the fact that we do have some exposure to this. We can't, we don't in yeah. this environment have the ability to just say, turn off the TV. Um, you know, so how yeah. do we kind of like help him create, uh, you know, a filter for this that, that will help him throughout yeah. life. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really, uh, this is so great. I really hadn't thought about, um, teaching particularly my oldest who's eight, um, about what, like what the intention is of advertising and, uh, I think that's such a smart thing to do um, really early on so they can they can start identifying that what what the feeling yep. is behind it and, and what the push is there. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been really it's been really good for for our son and for our family. So I'm just curious too, as you know, this, as this is coming out, we're a week away from Christmas. We're, you know, in the thick of, of this time where a lot of people have different traditions, um, certainly around, you know, Christmas day and, and that time. Um, but you know, many people have traditions throughout the whole holiday season. Um, what are, what are some ideas you have for creating simple routines and traditions around the holidays? Uh, I, I love listing out everything that's going on and everything you hope to do around this time and really putting it an hour cost to it because mm. we, we love like it, this is a wonderful time of the year for most people and they really want to celebrate. They want to relax. They want to do special things. Um, and often we kind of get ahead of ourselves and overcommit ourselves and then it's really not relaxing 
and it doesn't always feel that special. Um, and we kind of, we can kind of steal the magic from ourselves. So if you're ripping out sheets of different recipes and you're like at the 11th hour heading into like, you know, a big baking marathon, um, try and look at your, your time cost around this time of year for all these events and try and try and like choose one in each carrot category that you love. Like I used to make a bunch of different cookies and now every year, if, unless we have a newborn, <laughs> I, you know, I make these like shortbread thumbprint chocolate cookies. Like that's it. That's yeah. all I make. And, you know, I've gotten much more savvy to finding, you know, holiday recipes that I could like make in advance and freeze. Mm. And I, I try and do things that are, that are actually like pretty small, low investment by me that make the kids, you know, excited. Like sometimes we'll have like breakfast by candlelight and we have like a little Christmas candle and we'll put that out. And that's really, they, they love it. I haven't gone to any like great lengths to wake up super early to like bake something special, but it just kind of, you know, marks the day. And, um, so I think like, and, and if you, if you have kids and you know, they, they can quickly start melting down if they have too many days out of their regular routine. So I like to think of it as just kind of like adding in a few things, but trying to mostly keep our routine, um, the same, uh, you know, otherwise it just becomes unfun, you know, excess really like can, can turn quickly from like, Oh, I feel great. I've had some really amazing meals to, I feel awful and, and need to, uh, detox from it all. Yeah. That's, that is so, so valuable to just focus on like the things that, that are doable and also feel the most meaningful to you because there's so many things that we just can't fit it all in. Yeah. Will you just um, tell us just a tiny bit more about your book and where people can find it? We are also going to do a giveaway of Rachel's book, which we'll talk about on Instagram this week. So um, watch our Instagram page for information on that. Uh, Rachel's book, The Joy of Doing Nothing, is going to be um, we're going to give that away. So Rachel, just tell us a, a little more about that and where people can find it. Yeah. Um, the Joy of Do Nothing is a, a book about finding um, some purposeful pockets of time for yourself in your day to really, you know, reset, restart your brain and give yourself some peace. And um, I started working on it when uh, actually when my life was really crazy. I was solo parenting three weeks of the month. And when my friends heard the title of this book, they were laughing. They're like, what do you know about this? I'm like, actually, I've been doing, you know, some research for this book and realizing I really need to um, find more quiet in the day and really um, force myself to disconnect and uh, and reset um, just for my, for my own mental health and well-being. So the book's got a lot of um, tips for people with busy lives it's got a lot of um, reasons why you need to find uh, time in your day to do nothing, as they say. Um, and I think it's uh, a great little book. Um, it'd be a great little minimalistish uh, Christmas gift um, and something to share with your friends who are maybe feeling some seasonal overwhelm or just in a, in a, you know, a season of life that um, is really demanding on them so they can find this 
low cost, do anywhere um, strategy for for some some extra wellness for them. And you can find it. It's in stores at Barnes and Nobles, um, and you could find it um, online, Amazon.com, any online book uh, retailer. And in Canada, it's uh, also available at Chapters Indigo. Okay, so we'll share in the show notes also links to where you can find that book online. And we'll be doing, again, a giveaway this week. So watch for that on Instagram. Thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us. Yeah, thanks. I had a great time. Yes, thank you. Great. We'll talk to you soon. So we're really excited about the guests we have on here next. Um, Megan Wilson is a mama and homesteader and an all-around uh, resourceful gal who has started a beautiful um, company and site called Whole Family Rhythms. Um, Megan, uh, we're excited to have you. you. Want to tell us a little bit more about what you're doing? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm the founder of Whole Family Rhythms, and it's a place for mothers and carers to come for support and resources and information about conscious, connected parenting. Um, I'm a simplicity parenting coach. I have my foundation studies in Rudolf Steiner and Waldorf education. And uh, I also have four children who are uh, age two, four, seven, and nine. Okay. So you have, don't have much going on is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> and you recently moved, I think, from, was it Australia to Canada? Yes, I did. Um, we're actually going back to Australia just after Christmas time, but um, we moved to Canada about a year and a half ago. Um, I'm from Canada originally, and my husband's Australian. So I spent um, a decade in Australia, and all my kids were born there. Wonderful. Well, I'm Canadian as well, so we've we've got that in common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of the things that we were we were so drawn to to your work and your perspective is just kind of this. Um, this approach that you have that really, really centers on the idea of rhythm. And as we've been talking with different guests and thinking and preparing for the holidays, we've been really wanting to explore different ideas about just how to really simplify our, you know, our, our ideas and our traditions and our activities around the holidays and really focus on just being intentional with our time present and all of that. And so I'm, I want to ask you, like, as you have developed over the years, this, you know, this sort of rhythmic approach to, to family life and, and to, you know, traditions and all of that, how do you explore that? How do you explore creating traditions that are aligned with your personal values instead of just like piggybacking on society and maybe what you grew up with? How do you kind of really uncover what's going to be aligned with your values? Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, I began by uh, many years ago, really trying to identify what those values were or are, um, because I don't fully identify with one specific religion. My parents didn't really give us um, a very strict religious upbringing, uh, but I do have a lot of that um, spiritual impulse in me. And uh, when my children were young, I kind of uh, sat down with my husband and talked about, you know, what is it that we, what values and um, not even beliefs, but yeah, values do we want to pass on to our children so that we are trying to live and model as intentionally as possible for them each day. And uh, that 
core list of values has actually kind of changed over time, which I think is really normal and healthy. And I think a lot of people forget that your values um, can change with you as you go on your journey through life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I kind of um, try and reconnect with them uh, at least once a year, if not more. And um, we create our family rituals and traditions um, kind of centered around those those core values. Hmm. So what does it look like to get your family on the same page. I mean, obviously that kind of starts with your partner and and we all have like different upbringings and backgrounds. So what does that look like? And then what does it look like to talk with your kids about it? Um, yeah, it, it's more right now because my kids are younger, although my, mm-hmm. my son is getting more involved in the conversation. But at the beginning, it was my husband and I really sitting down and uh, talking about, you know, what's important to us. Is it that mm-hmm. um, we experience music together each day as a family? Is, is it that we um, do something artistic? Is it that we get outside every day together and c- connect with nature? You know, writing all those ideas down and um, coming up with a list of the things that are important to us and then trying to figure out how we can create um, habits or rituals or rhythms uh, that encourage us to, for example, connect with nature on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's really talking and connecting. It's not so much talking to children because for especially young children under the age of seven, everything is just through your doing and your modeling. You're not trying to preach anything or, um, yeah, teach them through words. Yeah. I think one of the things we've talked about with other women as well is how do you then share that with your extended family? Mm. How do you kind of invite them into that family experience? Yeah. Um, I mean, every family and person is different and, um, you know, some of our values we really share with our extended family and other values, not so much. I mean, um, screen time isn't really a holiday thing, but for example, uh, both sets of grandparents are a little bit more into screen time than we are. So we do kind of set strong boundaries, but there's kind of this give and take. And uh, we don't see my parents, for example, very often or Brad's. So if we were going to their house and they put, you know, a pretty placid television show on for the kids, I wouldn't be all up in arms. But if, mm-hmm. um, you know, some people have grandparents that come over every single week on the same day and they if they believed that, you know, not having screen time was an important value for them, then they might want to set that boundary more strongly in their own home. Um, yeah. You know, in the holidays, gift giving um i've just tried to subtly subtly and not so subtly um <laughs> encourage <laughs> my parents and um my parents-in-law to uh give gifts that are more simple uh you know i'll send them links to things that the children are interested in and um you know that really helps and most of the time uh yeah that's respected mm-hmm. yeah i think it's you know it's it's helpful when you have family lines of communication that that do allow for that and I think that when you in general when you live your life in a way that is 
saying to to those extended family members that you know this is how we choose to live our life that extending those conversations to perhaps holiday traditions is maybe not as big of a leap but I think for a lot of people listening who are asking questions about what it looks like to simplify around the holidays you know these maybe are totally new conversations that they've never had with family and so it's kind of it can be a little bit daunting I think to like how do you bring up like hey you know we're trying to you know, to simplify our lives or to, um, you know, to focus on, you know, things that are meaningful to our family instead of just, you know, co-opting, you know, all of the stuff that goes on around us. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's interesting, like just, just exploring that. And it's kind of something that, that is newer to me as well, even though we do have a, you know, a pretty intentional um, family nucleus and the way we do life is really evident to both sets, you know, both sides of Um, in-laws. but when you kind of open that door to like, hey, we're going to not just live our life this way at home, but we're going to do something that affects how you interact with our family, it can be it can be kind of, I think, almost threatening to people sometimes. Yeah, it can. And I think I'm only just starting to learn with time and wisdom that, you know, the more inclusive you can be in and warm in the conversation, you know, opening up the conversation, not um, in this accusational you know you Mm -hmm. do it this way but we're going to do it this way but more in like that curious from that curious place where you're um you know saying you know we've been talking about our values a lot and these are some of the concepts that we've come up with and you know I've noticed that you celebrate in this way and I was wondering you know why do you always, um, you know, have this tradition? Maybe, maybe it's a tr- tradition that you don't agree with, but coming from that place of curiosity and opening up the conversation in that positive way, as opposed to um, starting with that kind of argument, it it's a better yeah. place to come from. And I've only just started to really come into that after 10 years of having parents-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're right that as your kids get older, it's, that is, it's kind of a threshold that you cross, you know, where suddenly those conversations become really important and the impact on, you know, family life becomes really evident. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys do for gift giving and do you have any ideas for meaningful gift giving? Yeah. Um, so we started a tradition that is, uh, we have that little verse, it's something that you want, something you need. And then originally, it's uh, something to wear and something to read. But we changed it because um, I found my kids already have constantly enough things to wear, you know, from grandparents and friends and, and from us. So we've changed the rhyme to something you want, something you need, something to give and something to read. And we really try to stick by those four gifts for each child. And then we also still have um, a gift from Santa Claus. So it's, it's mm-hmm. still, for me, I still feel like it's a lot for each child, but I know for some families, that's very minimal. Um, so each child knows that they are going to get something that they want, but even my younger ones, they're, they're too little to know what they want really. So I don't really press them about it at all. You know, it's very exciting that Santa's going to bring a gift and that they're going to get a present from mom and dad on Christmas, but I don't ask them what they want because they wouldn't have the slightest idea. You know, they don't watch TV. So they haven't seen any commercials with, you know, things that they might like. And um, the the things that they want, you know, my, my seven-year-old, she's seven. So she's starting to wake up and she still wants a horse with wings. Right. 
yeah. that's her want. So I'm going to take on her want for her and decide myself. Um, and then a need is more like, you know, um, my son plays, plays guitar. So he needs um, a few new picks and some guitar strings. My um, daughter's really into drawing and painting. So she'll probably get, um, actually, I'm, I've already got the some oil pastels for her because I thought a new medium would be nice. Mm. Um yeah, and then uh, there's something to give, which is uh, an act of charity. So it's essentially, um, you know, going through an Oxfam catalog or, you know, a World Vision or, or something like that, or choosing a charity. If the kids, my older children are starting to be a little bit more aware and open uh, through family conversations about um you know, the, the bigger world and global issues. So they can choose a charity to give to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just choose an, an amount and try and make that donation together. Uh, and then to read, yeah, a book, just a mm-hmm. simple book. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we use that verse for ourselves. And I think there was a second part to your question, but I can't remember what it was. Just, just how you guys do gifts and how you make them meaningful. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And when, and the flip side, yeah, that's right. The flip side and giving to other people, um, for, you know, teachers and friends and, and neighbors and things like that. We have, um, kind of a a ritual of baking tons of cookies and wrapping them up and bringing them to our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Uh, for teachers, we often just craft something really simple. I've been doing, um, ornaments in the past so in the past we've done little beeswax ornaments and um this uh winter we dried oranges and then threaded cranberries and made a little ornament like that and we've also made candles Mm -hmm. uh so something small and simple and handmade because i i really think in this world that we live in today nobody needs anything (laughs) you know really (laughs) needs anything so it's really more a gesture of gratitude and kindness and love and um you know something beautiful that's made with love with our own hands for um other people yeah and I love that that can be it can be extremely simple like it doesn't have to be something that is going to take a lot of time or materials or you know fine motor skills (laughs) you know it can be something (laughs) very basic yeah, I mean, to being realistic, doing something like the dried orange ornaments is really satisfying because you can make, you know, 50 of them and then you really feel like you have something to give to every teacher and every, you know, um, after school activity teacher and who, whoever it is. And you've done it all at once because yeah. if you start trying to get something unique and individual for every single person, you drive yourself crazy. Yeah. In addition to doing... Um the verse and then the gifts for others. Do you have any other holiday traditions? Do you do Advent or lights or a tree or? Um, yeah, we do it all. I mean, I've kind of, uh, my husband and I have drawn on our own uh, Christian traditions, which really are, um, you know, the Christmas tree and Santa comes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything. Christmas caroling. Uh, we didn't, Brad my, Brad, my husband, he was raised uh, with a bit more of a religious background, but he really kind of rejected it. So I can't really get a lot of spiritual stuff from him. Mm. But um, I just had, you know, the gifts and Santa and the tree. So we do do all of that. Um, but we also have started an Advent tradition, which we've done for um, at least five years now. 
where we uh, light a candle each Advent Sunday. So it's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And we light one candle on the first Sunday, and then we light the two, and then the three, and then the four on the last Sunday. Um, and we sing a couple songs together. Uh, we say a few verses, and then we read a part of um, a story that I wrote um, and that was inspired by another teacher in Australia. And it's um, a four-part story all about Mary and Joseph's journey to um, Bethlehem. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the tradition that we've created. And it um, fosters this sense of reverence and magic and light around the holiday so that it's not all about the, the gifts and the excitement. And it's um, about something a little more subtle and um yeah reverent yeah I love I love your advent tradition that you guys do and you share it in in your Christmas e-guide that's on your website uh, we actually just started doing it this weekend ourselves and and I love that it is it's so open ended in the sense of wherever you know whatever your personal values or beliefs might be about you know about um spirituality or you know even the christmas story that it's there's a way to fit into it and a way to to make it um meaningful and and really like you said reverent for your family so we really enjoyed doing mm -hmm. that yesterday and and doing the first um you know the first advent sunday where you you gather things made of stone and that was really really cool for my son who's eight so we we mm. enjoyed that yeah, I love that it, yeah, the collecting each uh, from each of the four kingdoms, as described by Steiner, the mineral and the plant and the animal and then humankind. And um, yeah, I also love that I try, I really try to make all of my spiritual work as open as possible, because I think that um, in this day and age, a lot of us struggle to connect with this idea of a higher power, because we don't really resonate with a very specific dogmatic religion, but we still have that, you know, spiritual yearning to um, go to a higher place. And so, yeah, it's my goal to try and make um, these rituals and these traditions as open as possible. And I really try and encourage families to, you know, take what they want and leave what they don't want and to create, um, you know, their own traditions and stories and songs um, based on what their values are. Yeah, that's, that's really, really wonderful. And I think it just, it just is a, it's a connecting experience. It, it allows people to feel like they, it's, it's, it highlights the common ground, not the differences. Mm -hmm. So Megan, will you tell us a little bit more about your guides? Um, we are actually going to do a giveaway of Megan's seasonal guides. She, she provides on her website. So Megan, will you tell us a little bit about those so we can, we can get people excited about them? Yeah, um, there are four seasonal guides, and they are essentially, um, you know, a daily curriculum, but I, I always hesitate to use the word curriculum because uh, so much of what how children learn and do and, and are in the world is just through play, but it's... Um, a daily rhythm laid out and a weekly rhythm uh, where Monday to Friday, there's a set activity each day and um, they're filled. Each guide is filled with seasonal inspiration. So, um, you know, Mondays 
there's a, a seasonal recipe on Tuesdays. It might be a painting day on Wednesdays. There's a drawing on Thursdays. There's a craft and there's a seasonal craft in there. Uh, and Fridays uh, might be modeling, modeling with beeswax or clay. Um, and uh, there are also caregivers meditations for the season. There are um, hiking themes for each week, and there's a, a beautiful seasonal story for each week and a finger play. So they're just basically filled with um, rich resources that you can draw on as a parent or carer uh, to really create an authentic rhythm in your home that's um, nature-based and Waldorf-inspired. Awesome. Well, I love that. And we will be sharing about that this week on Instagram, along with the other awesome giveaways that we're doing from our guests today. Um, so Megan, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your traditions and yes, your you. outlook on the holiday season with us. Yeah, it was an honor talking to you. Thank you. All right, so our third guest today is Phaedra Taylor, and Phaedra is an artist and a mom. She was actually born and raised in Scotland and moved to the U.S. when she was a teenager. Uh, Phaedra, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm so glad to be with y'all. I live with my family in Houston. My husband is a professor, and I have two kids, a daughter who is six and a son who's eight months old. And um, we are just trying to settle into Houston. We've been here three years and um, are enjoying exploring Texas. So Nice. So when you reached out to us, we've been kind of, you know, talking to people online through social media about holiday traditions and just kind of what is taking shape for people as they raise their children. And you mm -hmm. reached out uh, talking about just some of your Advent traditions and, and how mm -hmm. that has been Take, you know, how the meaning of that has been shaping up for your daughter who's six. So mm -hmm. do you want to tell us a little bit about that and tell us kind of like what the holidays mean to you and how you are um, talking about that with your daughter and making room also for her interests as they're developing? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we um, try to be really intentional about the way we approach the holidays. I think because my husband is a professor, so he is kind of has that researching, thoughtful brain. And then as an artist, mm -hmm. I um, am drawn to that as well. So ha finding meaning is really important for both of us. Um, and so we have tried to just think about ways that we could enter into this season that would help us um, slow down. Is pr that's pretty mm. important to us that we slow down yeah. um, and that we not get distracted and um, which is pretty hard because it's a pretty distracting season. But um, yeah. so I think those are two things that we think about when we're sort of trying to develop our family traditions. Um, mm. And then my husband grew up overseas as well. So both of us growing up overseas, I think it's important for us to, to have, um, global traditions involved as well so that our kids are growing up thinking about not only the way that we observe things but how do other people in the world you know celebrate and pay attention to things yeah. that are important to them so that's another way that we've tried to kind of pick and choose the things that we do or don't do is by thinking yeah. about that yeah 
I can only imagine it's hard to integrate with, you know, then we you have your home cultures and then a new culture that you're raising your child in as well. Mm-hmm. So it kind of becomes this multifaceted. Yeah. And, and it, there are things that we're each drawn to personally because of our personality and what we like. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then things that we don't like. And so just navigating, you know, kind of like, what is, what is our family going to be about for this season? And, um, and what has, what really feels meaningful and authentic, which is actually ends up changing a little bit, um, every year as our kids grow, because, you know, like you said, now my six-year-old, um, she is engaged and remembering and asking for things. And so she's developing her own likes and dislikes as well. And so just trying to honor that, trying to stay authentic to us, you know, so it's kind of a, it, it morphs and changes a little bit, I feel like, each year, which is, I think, fine. Absolutely. I think I have, a, I have an eight-year-old, so, you know, I'm kind of in that same exact boat. And every year, his ability to to be nostalgic grows. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of a huge thing. You're prob- probably really, at, like you just described, at the start of that now with your daughter, where it's like they start to, like, long for certain things. You know, mm-hmm. now my son, like, at the beginning of December, he's like, when are you going to make butter tarts? And it's like, he can't wait for it. And it's mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful part of the unfolding of of that tradition is seeing his excitement and his engagement and then also seeing the things that, like, maybe I try desperately to to make meaningful and exciting. And he's just like, not into it. It just doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't click for him. Mm-hmm. And then there's all the things that kind of come and go in society around us that we're always kind of navigating and deciding like, is this going to be part of it or not? Like, I don't know if you have ever heard of like the elf on the shelf thing, but a few years mm-hmm. ago, you know, a family member got us that for, for Christmas. And we kind of had to like, you know, play with it and see like, is our, it does this, does this fit with what we want to do around the holidays? Like, is this, is this, like you said, distracting from, you know, how we want this season to feel and the, and the things we want to focus on, or does it, or does it enhance that? And, you know, it, it, there's just, I think that's a, a very personal question. It's not about elf on the shelf or yeah. any particular thing, but you know, you kind of have to like, we're constantly having to navigate how our children are growing and changing and then how like different things that might influence us in culture around us are kind of fitting into that. So how have you, how have you engaged with that kind of stuff in culturally? Well, I th- one thing that we do is um, we, we really try to choose things for our family that have some kind of historical rootedness to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that helps us you know, for my husband and I, we just, that just feels more authentic for us and, um, because of who we are. And so that helps us kind of decide, are we going to pursue adding something into our traditions? Um, because if some, like for, for instance, Elf on the Shelf, which I have friends that love it and enjoy it and it brings a lot of joy to them and a lot of wonder to their kids. And it really works for their family and yeah. and for us, because that is missing that sort of historical piece, it just doesn't feel like our kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and so, when we think about even even the things that we might purchase, um, like for decorations, or um, we just kind of always come back to this: like, is there something 
where it's connected to history, either the history of the stories of the season or, or just like the way that people um, celebrated and observed things in the past, like just kind of mm-hmm. wanting to bring, um, bring those things in because we just love that. That's what we love. We love to read about the way that people lived, um, you know, in past years and, and, and we just enjoy that. So we, um, I think that kind of helps us you know, sift through because so much is kind of coming at you all the time. It feels like around this time of year, there's always like a new thing, a new book, a new way of decorating, a new Mm -hmm. idea, a new craft, like whatever. And some of that is wonderful because it's inspiration and we get to figure out stuff that we like that we never knew about or heard about. But some of it is really overwhelming. Um, Totally because it just feels like there's always something more to, to do to make it better somehow or more meaningful. And so Mm -hmm. we've just kind of, we just come back to that over and over again, the stories that we're reading, the music that we're listening to, the things that we're baking, whatever it is, if there's some historical thing that we can kind of tap into and tell our kids, this comes from here, these spice cookies that we make, we make because they're traditionally associated with St. Nicholas Day in Germany, you know, then that, and so that just kind of helps us sort of, um, it it makes it feel meaningful to us and it makes us able to enter in and enjoy them with our kids. Yeah. That's really, really important. I think is, is finding sort of that, that middle ground where it's, it's meaningful for you. And it's also something that is connecting and, and working for your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think kids love that. I mean, I feel like constantly with my niece and my nephew, you know, we're sharing the holiday season together for the first time. And one of the things that's come up so much is they have so much, you know, just interest in what were the traditions of our family? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what, whether that's like me and my sister as kids or my parents or, and then, you know, why, why did we start doing those things? Like almost like a personal history. So it makes sense that you could tie mm-hmm. it then even more to like a historic significance or like a culturally historic significance. Kids, mm-hmm, I mean, kids yeah. want that. They want it, you know, they want to connect yeah. with you as a kid too. Right. And I think it, it helps us like, place ourselves in the world too like Mm -hmm. this is it's not just us one family celebrating these things but there are people all over the world and also all through history that have been paying attention to certain things this time of year so how do we enter into that and just you know helping our kids but also me helping me remember Mm -hmm. like there's there's a bigger sort of thing going on um and and I think that helps to sort of take a step back from the craziness and the chaos and the kind of the overstimulation that I feel sometimes in this season is just remembering like, okay, there's, there's like a, a bigger thing that I'm a part of here. Um, and people have been paying attention to things this time of year for centuries and you know, there's, there's a way that I can do it that is authentic and and slower than what I find, um, you know, is kind of around me in stores or wherever on the radio. Um, and I can get a little more grounded that way. Um, yeah. And I can enjoy it. You know, I, I can, it's easier for me to enjoy when I'm not feeling pushed and pulled by all the distraction. Yeah. 
with your daughter, you know, your daughter's the one that's old enough to, for you to like talk about these things with, how do you cultivate curiosity uh, with her around holiday traditions? Like what, what do those conversations look like with her? Um, she, she is very, she's just naturally pretty, a curious kid and, Mm -hmm. um, and very verbal and likes to have a lot of conversation. So it's not something that I have to work real hard at, um, with her and, and it, we'll see how it is with my son. But, um, what I end up doing is just asking her a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. So like today, um, after school, I ask her, you know, what's your favorite thing about Christmas? And, um, and you know, her answer today was, uh, putting up ornaments and, it might be something different tomorrow, but I feel like if I can just keep asking her um, all kinds of different things, you know, why do you like this? Or what are you looking forward to? Or do you remember uh, last year when we did this? You know, that it's kind of like giving her that invitation to just talk and to um, to share the stuff that's coming up from day to day. And then I can, I kind of glean from that the things that are important to her. Um, like we, we observe St. Nicholas day, which is on December 6th. And so I've been asking her, do you remember what we do? And, and some of it she remembered and some of it she didn't. But one thing she remembered is that there's always an orange. We, we put shoes out the night before and then in the morning they're filled with little treats and things. And, and there's always (laughs) an orange. And she, it was the first thing she said was, and you and we put the oranges in there, you know, and and I didn't even think she paid attention to that. But that's become something that she's really excited about. Probably once a day, she talks to me about whether or not we have oranges. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for her, you know, just making space for her to talk to me and being interested is enough. And mm-hmm. that's just part of her personality, too. She just loves to <laughs> she loves to talk. So which is great. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys do for gift giving? Um, we, uh, th- that's actually a great question for this year because I feel like I have really struggled this year with not kind of going crazy on gifts because we've, in the past years, we've sort of been like, we want to stay simple. You know, we don't want it to be about only gifts. Gifts are a part of it and it, and they're really fun. And we don't want to take away from that, but we want it, you know, we want there to be more going on. Um, and for some reason, I don't know if it's because she's older this year, but I just like have found a million things that I want to give her. And so, so, Mm -hmm. um, so I have kind of tried, I've tried to just remind myself that, you know, this is not the only opportunity we have for this kind of thing. But, but one of the things we do think about is, um, is giving things that are, um, open-ended, like that encourage creativity, imagination, mm-hmm. um, and provide like space for us to do something with her. So some kind of a creative item that means that we can play in some way, mm-hmm. or, um, yeah. a lot of times we will do family, uh, a family gift, which is something like a game or, um, a special item that's like for everybody that, and, and that's really fun because it makes it about something that we're doing together again. Yeah. Um, I love that. 
And then um, we just also kind of try to spread the gifts out. So we do little gifts on St. Nicholas Day. Um, We do stockings. We do some gifts on Christmas Day. And then we also do gifts on Epiphany, which is in January. And, And so I think that also helps like make things not so sort of overwhelming, like everything all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and then they can really pay attention to the like two or three things that they're opening on Christmas morning with their stocking. Like we kind of keep it around that many and, and enjoy those things. Um, and then anticipate as well. And I think that's a pretty big part of what we care about developing with them is anticipating these days, you know, Advent, the Advent season is the season before Christmas and it's traditionally about waiting. And so just like sinking into that, like mm-hmm. the, the yeah. excitement and the anticipation of something that's coming. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, spreading it out just helps that happen a little bit as well. Um, yeah. And it seems, yeah. it seems like that, that, correlation it makes the correlation a little more powerful where you know i think when you know traditionally or not traditionally uh you know in in our day and age when you know kids have 30 gifts to open on christmas morning how could you possibly not mm-hmm. how could christmas morning possibly not just be about the gifts when it's that right. much of a like landslide you know it's, right, it's right. there's just so much Whereas if you have, like, like you said, you know, we do something small for St. Nicholas, we do something, you know, small for, you know, something less, less dramatic for Christmas morning, and then something for Epiphany, you know, it, it really allows it to be like, these are, these are these things that we are, we're honoring and celebrating. And this is part of doing that. This isn't like just about you getting a bunch of stuff, you know, it's, it just seems like so much more of a natural correlation. I I love that. And I, and I love to just, you know, having, like you talked about focusing on something that you can do together. And, you know, some of the other guests that we've been talking with today, you know, are talking about, um, you know, experiences instead of, instead of items. And I think that that kind of falls into the same category when you, when you get someone a gift that is, that is intentionally designed to, to encourage the time that you spend together and to create, you know, joy and engagement and, and that within your family. I think that that is, is really powerful and meaningful. And it's, and again, it sort of de-emphasizes that like, you're going to get a bunch of stuff and it's more about Mm -hmm. like, these are, these are some ways that we're going to like create more enjoyment together as a family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, I think it's hard too to do that because I mean, already, you know, Blythe, my daughter has a Christmas list that she's given me and she's asked, she asks continually, did you get everything on my Christmas list? You know, I mean, it just, it's as it's hard to, to keep, sort of going back again and again and and trying to figure out different ways to reinforce um, that, you know, the season is not about just getting a bunch of stuff because it's fun to get a bunch of stuff. I mean, they, of course they want to get a bunch of stuff. I want to get a bunch of stuff, right? We, we all like, there's an immediate like funness to that, but, um, but I think it's, there's a richer experience for us if we have more than that going on. And well, I think it's just so vital then you share that with your community too and yeah. mm-hmm. the community that you're a part of and 
people might be inspired. It's you know part of the reason I, f- I find these you know these things that we're sharing with our listeners so important because maybe you've never even heard of doing something alternative. Maybe you live mm-hmm. in a place where everybody does the same thing. Every kid gets the toy of the year and it's always a competition of like, what did I get last year versus this year? But yeah. in your heart, you felt like, I wish this was more about this or this and like making mm-hmm. real strides to make changes that really build, like you said, like a sense of like family and understanding of celebration of family yeah. and the season. That's kind of what we all want, like mm-hmm. to be together with people in a meaningful way. Um, and so, you know, it's like sort of, it's the, it's the, it's the, the meat or the nutri- the like densely nutritional food that will feed our soul. Um, but it's tempting always, of course, to reach for things that are easier, but there's, once you start eating that kind of really rich, good nourishing stuff, then it's like, oh, there's a little bit, you want more and more of it. And so Mm -hmm. as you go along, you know, that's my hope is that with our kids, they'll develop that appetite. Absolutely. Well, that's what I hear you saying is that, you know, if you've got a four-year-old or a six-year-old who gives you their Christmas list and tells you all the things you want on it, like all all the things that they want, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you failed. Like our, everything, everything that we teach our kids, we're, we're teaching it to them and we're modeling it to them over the course Mm -hmm. of their lives. Like there's, there's so few things that we have that one sit down chat with our kids and they just like, it just clicks and they get it. And, and and that's it. Like it just, it just doesn't work that way. And that's, that's why the, the modeling component of it is so important. And I feel like that's just something that I'm learning more and more and more the longer that I'm a mom, it's like, we can have all the conversations, we can have conversations till I'm blue in the face. But if this is just how we live our life, then, then they're going to get it. And I will say that with an eight and a half year old, I mean, you know, he absolutely still is super pumped about what he's going to get for Christmas. There's, there's no way around that, but he is undoubtedly making more and more of a connection about, you know, family and, and just sort of the, you know, the meaning and the, and the, beauty of of the holiday season Mm -hmm. and just like creating his own little rhythms and the things that he's nostalgic about and you know and and he's totally one of those kids that will like sometimes he'll say that you know the thing that you 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 know he knows you want to hear but uh Mm -hmm. I overheard a friend ask him recently like what are you most looking forward to about Christmas and he legitimately said spending time with my family and I mean it was one of those moments where it's like I'd like no one, no one coached him. He didn't think I was listening. Like, you know, it was, it was, it was one of those payoff moments for sure. But I think it just goes to show that it's, it's like, you're saying, like, you just keep, you just keep giving them that richer food. You just keep giving them the, you know, the, the meaning and, and the beauty behind all of this and and they will get it. It's, it's just not going to be overnight. Yeah. 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 And I think when I like right before Blythe was born, when I was thinking about you know, what do, what do we want for our family for the holidays? Like, what does it mean? You know, and I, th- I sort of thought I had to have it all figured out. Like, I got to plan it all out. I got to have the whole map of these are going to be our traditions, because if I don't, you know, they're, they're never going to happen. And it's been actually really wonderful to see that, you know, some of the stuff I was excited about, it just isn't practical, or we just don't, it doesn't click with us. And then other things have developed in that you know, we have time, we have time to, to seed these things into our kids. And, you know, some of the things they're going to love are going to change the way we do traditions. And, 
and that there's just there's time for it to to grow um and that you know it's not a like once and done kind of okay this is what we're doing now and it's always going to be the thing that they love and right um and I think that that that's just helpful for me too is Mm -hmm. to remember kind of remember like I I have time you know um every year more and more kind of goes in and more and more develops into something that we really love yeah Mm -hmm. well I think that's the perfect perfect note to end on for everybody listening as you're thinking about you know how how you want to create space around the holidays as you're thinking about what you might want to do differently next year and obviously we've had some you know heard some really great ideas in Mm -hmm. this episode and I think that it's such a great takeaway that this is not just a one-time conversation with your kids or with your partner with your extended family this is about really sowing those seeds and allowing them to take time and knowing that every year is going to look a little different every year is going to grow and change and develop and that's a really beautiful thing so thank you for sharing with us Phaedra and we're also going to do um, a giveaway with Phaedra. Phaedra is, like we mentioned, an artist. She does these really, really beautiful and unique uh, prints of um, just basically ideas from her childhood, and, and they're kind of whimsical and beautiful. Phaedra, do you want to just tell us a, just a little bit about your art um, so we can let people know what that's going to look like? Sure. Um, I um, The series that you're talking about came out of me processing childhood memories and so it's a lot of pictures of um of kids you know interacting with each other and with the world um in sort of a wonder-filled whimsical dream-like kind of way um and so I'll choose one of those um that just feels appropriate and um can offer it um with the other things that you guys are are giving away and I'm real excited to do that and delighted to do that. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. We will we will share about that on Instagram this week as well. And thank you so much, Phaedra. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook, where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Laura and Lisa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.